For those of you who are guests here for the first time this morning or uh, haven't been here in a while, we, we have been uh, going through the Ten Commandments together. This morning we are on the Fourth Commandment, and I've got probably one more message on the Fourth Commandment where I'm going to deal with questions that people have asked, some, some of the great questions on the Fourth Commandment. Uh, we've also been le- learning a short version of the Ten Commandments, just one little phrase for each of the Ten Commandments. We made these magnets up that you can put on your refrigerator. There's some on the back table out in the lobby if you want some. We even had people uh, this week uh, from out of town who listen to our services online every week saying, hey, can, can I get one of these magnets? It's cool uh, seeing the church learn the Ten Commandments together, and I'd like to learn them too. How, how do I get on board with that? So... Um, your uh, testimony during this time as people hear these messages is a testimony that uh, is causing the, the law of God to spread uh, to other places. So let's, let's try our Ten Commandments summary real quick before we get going, and then we'll, we'll jump into another message on the Fourth Commandment. But say with me the Ten Commandments, the short version that uh, we're learning together. The first word is have. So have other gods. Make no idols. Speak well of God and for God. Keep the Sabbath day special. Honor father and mother. Commit no murder. Commit no adultery. Commit no stealing. Tell no lies against our neighbor and do not covet. Great. This morning we're looking at the fourth commandment. It still stands. It still applies. God wants us, fourth commandment, to keep the Sabbath day special. It's a time that we spend with God. It's our love language to God and God's love language to us to reserve a day in every week where we still spend time together. Now, if that's the case, and the commandment specifically speaks about, so stop your normal six-day-a-week work and keep the Sabbath day special, what's the appropriate work? It's probably the number one question that I get on this subject, and that is, well, David, can you give me a list of what I can do and what I can't do? Well, lots of people have tried to create those lists, and I want to solve it for you this morning, okay? No list. You don't need list to make this work. Many of the religious folks in front of you, our forefathers, have tried to create lists. Pharisees created a bunch of lists. Matter of fact, their list on the Sabbath day was one of their biggest problems with Jesus. Six different times, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, You're working! On the Sabbath, what in the world are you doing? You're breaking the Sabbath commandment. And Jesus says, no, I'm not. Problem is your list. You've got these lists that you've created, and your man-invented lists are not God-endorsed. They saw him as a Sabbath breaker. Jesus was not a Sabbath breaker. So how do we learn to do the Sabbath the way Jesus did the Sabbath. He did say don't do any work like you did your normal six days. And yet at the same time, he said, my father and I are working. He didn't say he stopped work. He just didn't do certain work. So the question becomes, then what is the appropriate work? What is the work that we keep doing? Well, I, what I'm doing this morning is I'm taking those six passages, and by the way, I'm not going to go through all passages, all the six passages. You know, I don't have time for that. But I'm going to go through one of them, where the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, you're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, let me tell you what I'm doing. Let's look at what Jesus does on the Sabbath, 
And then we'll be able to understand what's appropriate work and what's not appropriate work. And I'll give you a little bit of the struggle. The Pharisees had their list of things you could and could not do on the Sabbath day. Their intent was to, to make a list so that we would do only appropriate work. Some of those things were, you know, you, you couldn't harvest your crop. You couldn't pick grain. We walk into a story this morning, I'm going to get there in just a minute, Matthew 12, where Jesus and his disciples are going through a grain field and they're picking grain. They're plucking the grain. So you take the grain and hold the stalk. You pull the grain off the stalk. Plucking was a work, right? You plucked it off. That's working. You do a lot of that. Plucking was a work. They were plucking. Not only were they plucking, but then they were winnowing. They were cracking the grain and blowing the chaff away. That was work. They were not only plucking, they were not only winnowing, they were milling. They were then rubbing the grain in their fingers, grinding it so they could eat it. They were working, working, working. The Pharisees come to Jesus, what are you doing? All three of those were rules, that you, things you can't do on the Sabbath. That's work. And they were confused. They didn't think they were confused. Jesus says, you know, no, you don't get this right. Let's just put ourselves in Jesus' sandals a minute. So that you see how complicated it is to make lists like that of work. Suppose you are in one of your favorite restaurants. By the way, COVID messed up one of my favorite restaurants. Several of my favorite restaurants. I think about it when I think about grain. I, I like going to the restaurants where the peanut bucket is on the table. You know what I'm talking about? And because you can, I don't care when the waiter or waitress comes, you can immediately start eating peanuts. And I like that. I don't have to wait for anything. I can eat peanuts. What do you have to do to eat peanuts? You pluck. You pluck a peanut out of the bucket. Then you've got to winnow it. You've got to crack and blow the shaft away or get it. You know, just throw it on the floor. Don't worry about it. You, know, you, you winnow. And then you, you grind it a little bit. There's a little, still a little hull or shell or whatever around that. You want to get that off and then you want to eat the peanut. Suppose a Pharisee. You're doing that on a Sunday. The Pharisee comes up and says, same thing Jesus was doing. What are you doing? That's a desecration of the Sabbath. And they had all kind of rules like that. That's the same kind of stuff we do the other six days. So you can't do it today. As a matter of fact, they had rules of picking in your garden. You could not go out of your garden after you left church and say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a tomato sandwich, mayonnaise, Bacon. Ha! Oh, that would be good. You couldn't pluck that tomato off the vine. You couldn't heat up that bacon and make that delicious tomato sandwich. They would be there saying, you're desecrating the Sabbath day. Heating was something, you know, that, uh, they're getting some of these rules. You remember in the Old Testament, don't pick manna up on the Lord's day? And the disciples are saying, you know, We've got to pick it. You know, it's, 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 we're hungry. But you, one of their subjects was somebody burned, a, had a fire on the Sabbath and was uh, stoned for it. Well, you can't heat stuff. The coffee I drank this morning would have been a desecration to the Sabbath. Because you've got to heat it, you've got to filter it before you drink it. Both works. 
So when you start making your list, I just want to tell you, there's people who've done it before you. They messed it up. And that's where you're headed when you create those kinds of lists. They're great saints when we left the Catholic Church and became Protestants. We had that great Protestant Reformation. A lot of creeds were written, and the creed said there are three appropriate works on the Sabbath day. And as I looked at their list of appropriate works and these six passages, the disciples were accusing Jesus of working. They match up. That's where they're getting them from. The three appropriate works, really not works, but categories of works. Works of necessity, works of piety, and works of mercy. Here's the principle. Let me think, tell you one more time. Works of necessity, works of piety, and works of mercy. Here's the principle. If the works you are doing can be put into one of those three categories, they are appropriate, acceptable, non-condemnable works. Okay? So you ask yourself, what I am doing on the Sabbath, are they works of necessity, piety, and mercy? If they are in those categories, because those are works, the kind of works Christ did, then you also are doing the works of Christ. You're loving God, you're loving your neighbor, and you are not to be condemned. So let's look at that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at this story of Jesus and the Pharisees criticizing him for his, his works. First of all, the first four verses, and we're thinking here works of necessity. Works of necessity. Chapter 12 of Matthew, first four verses. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. They began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And you have to understand, not lawful according to them. Not talking about God's law. It's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read? He said, you want to talk about the Bible, let's go back. Have, have you read the Bible? What David did when he was hungry. So hungry's come up twice, the big factor. And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God, and he ate the bread of the presence which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. All right, stop there a minute and think about works of necessity. They were plucking up food to eat on the Sabbath day, just like people in the Old Testament, they got manna on the Lord's day, and they were uh, persecuted and uh, admonished and... Um, for it by the Lord himself. He said, I gave you enough food on the sixth day so you didn't have to pick up food on the seventh day. Now, in this case, we don't have that scenario where Jesus has already come to his disciples and said, hey, guys, you know, Sabbath day's coming, so make sure you're ready for that. Uh, uh, maybe you want to, you know, make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, slide it into a Ziploc bag, put it in a cool place because tomorrow you're going to be hungry. Jesus doesn't do that. He didn't tell them on the day of preparation, you need to get your peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a cool place. So whatever they were doing that day, that didn't happen. And now the Lord's day has come around and they're hungry. 
And Jesus points back to David and his men were hungry. And he points to that as an example, as an example of saying it was a necessity. They needed to eat. They were hungry. Now, this necessity was not absolute, and this is important. They could have prepared ahead of time. They didn't. Weren't told to. They could have probably made it till Monday. Probably every one of you in this room, except some of you, maybe type 1 diabetics or others. But most of you in this room, if, if you couldn't eat till Monday, most of you, you're going to survive. We're going to make it. Hopefully we'll get up real early on Monday. We're hungry. But we could make it. So there's a sense in which you, you could argue it's not really a necessity. I couldn't make it. But Jesus doesn't tell them to do that. He didn't say, they're hungry. I should, I, I've warned them many times. I've, I've told you once. I've told you a hundred times. Got to be prepared. They were not prepared. They were just hungry. And the Pharisees were criticizing them for it. Jesus interprets the need, the necessity in a very broad, generous, and gracious manner. I think that's important. We see it over and over and over. Instead of giving his church a list, Christ is constantly very generous and very gracious and says, I perceive the need. The need is hunger. Let's meet that need. Let's not make them wait. Let's not condemn them because they didn't make their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Let's see if there's a way we can satisfy the hunger. And then Jesus goes back to the time where David was leaving because he was being chased really out of town. They were going to kill him if he didn't get out. He's got a few warriors with him. He left so quickly he didn't have a sword, didn't have a pouch, didn't have food. He comes to Ahimelech, the priest, and he says, you got anything here for me? He says, well, I got Saul's sword. I said, that's good. I'll take that. Any food? Well, we got this bread that's, you know, by law, it's only supposed to be for the priest. David says, we're hungry. And Ahimelech says, okay, then. It's a, it's a work of necessity. Let me give you that bread. We typically throw it out after... We're done. Let me give you that bread. And Jesus says, that's the way you do the Sabbath. When it's a work of necessity, you, you, you provide the, that, for that need through giving what you can give. That's the way Jesus did it. He, he applied it in a broad way, not a strict, legalistic way. Well, let's create lists so this doesn't happen again kind of way but a way that's very generous and very kind. Uh, just show you one other example real quick. Look at Luke 13, verse 15. Luke 13, verse 15. Here's the example of Jesus talking about, you know, your ox is in the ditch on the, on the Lord's day. Maybe I'll start at verse 14. Luke 13, verse 14. The ruler of the synagogue indignant. He's upset. He's frustrated because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. He said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on. Those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answers. So here's Jesus' answer to that. You hypocrites. 
Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox on his donkey or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? What's the principle? That's the principle I want us to get back into Matthew 12. He says, You've got animals that you know are hungry, thirsty on the Lord's day. What do you do? You untie them and you pull them over to the trough where they can get food, where they can get water. You feed them. Why? Because it's a necessity. Could they make it till Monday? Yeah, they could make it. But this is the way you do it. There's still work that you do on the Sabbath day. It's works of necessity. Principle here is don't treat your animals as more valuable than people. You will do this for animals, surely. You will do it for people. And yet the Pharisees did not want to do works of necessity for people. Jesus does not apply it that way. So there are works of necessity that need to be done. And you can start thinking through the congregation. You can start thinking through your life of people that are necessary. That they have to do certain things on the Lord's day. The police force. There's a crime. We call them. We expect if we call 911 for the police, someone's breaking in here in our home. We're hoping there's someone that can come and respond. Why? So it's a necessity. It's a work of necessity. I need help today, not tomorrow. And not yesterday. If I'm going to the hospital, I have an accident on the way here and I'm in the ER, I'm expecting that there is a doctor, there's a nurse. Why? Because it's a necessity. I'm hurt today. Can't, don't want to put it off till tomorrow. Can't deal with it yesterday. It's a work of necessity. There's so many works like that. As you start thinking about it, the, the people who feed us, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. All that they do is a lot of work to make that food and that drink happen. But it's a work of necessity. How about people in institutions like retirement homes, senior citizen living, colleges, universities, that the only way to feed these people is to have a cafeteria and somebody's got to prepare the food. There's a lot of people hungry. And Jesus says they are hungry. We would untie our ox or our donkey and feed it. Would we not feed these people? These are works of necessity. Yet, we want to make rules and regulations against it. They're not to be made. God says, think about categories. Necessary works necessarily need to happen. You could have a lot more. You could have firefighters. You could have, um, how about maintenance workers? Especially in the electrical field. Do you like the lights, the sound system, the heat and air conditioning? Somebody has to work to keep this on. Or it doesn't happen. Works of necessity. We've determined, but I'm cold. I need heat. I'm hot. I need air. I'm, it's dark. I can't see. I need lights. And as soon as all that power goes out, like a hurricane comes through, we're saying it's a necessity. Get these guys working. And we want them working seven days, not just six days. So hopefully they, they rotate their, their work schedules and they make it happen. Um, 
How about times of warfare? One of our great uh, generals here in South Carolina, Thomas Jackson. Wasn't he, wasn't he South Carolinian? I got him right, right? He was a strict Sabbatarian. They thought they could attack Jackson on Sunday. Oh, no. Jackson attacked them on Sunday. He understood warfare to be a work of necessity. He remembered the battle of Joshua and Jericho, and God commanded Joshua, I want you to march around the city seven days in a row. Well, it doesn't matter what day he started. He had to march on a Sabbath to pull that off. It was a work of necessity, even times of warfare. So as you think about your works, interpret it in a broad and generous way as Jesus did. If a work is necessary, if it's good for the well-being of God and our neighbor, it is an appropriate, lawful, permissible work. Second category, works of piety. Let's keep reading in Matthew 12, verses 5 through 7. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath... The priest in the temple profane, I told you a few weeks ago, or many times, profane is a word the Bible uses, uh, something was either sacred or it was profane. Profane was often used as you treat it common. It's not profane in the sense that it's gone beyond common to gross or something. Profane simply means to treat it common. So the priest in the temple profaned the Sabbath. In other words, they treated it like a common ordinary, another, just another day. It's not referring here that the priests were desecrating the Sabbath. They would have lost their job for that. But they're treating the Sabbath as though it was common. And are, last word of verse 5, guiltless. And are guiltless. See, the problem was not that they were desecrating it. They weren't. They were treating it as a work of piety There are times where the Sabbath day doesn't look a lot different than the other days when pietistic work was to occur, and it was the work of the priest. Verse 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So the priests were guiltless. The priests were working. Everybody even knows today the preacher works on the Lord's Day, right? What kind of works do the pre- does the preacher do? The, the works that the preacher does on the Lord's Day, he is guiltless for doing it. So those works are appropriate. Works of singing, works of praising, works of devotion, adoring, works of getting into the Bible and studying and preaching and teaching. Work, and there's overlap. You're going to see works of mercy and piety kind of overlap and works of necessity as well. But, you know, for us to have the Lord's Day together, works of encouraging, it's, it's difficult work to meet with people and encourage people and build one another up and counsel people. He says, but priests were guiltless for all of that. And you are too. We are the people of God, the priesthood of believers. And we're supposed to be free to do the works of the church on the Lord's day. And we're guiltless for doing them. Works of fellowship. 
works of feasting. And so many people want to make rules of, okay, you can have a feast, but you can do this or that. Where'd you get that? You can have fellowship, but you, you can't do these kind of things. There's a lot of fellowship in our day that is around feasting. We need to eat together. We need to drink together. Fellowship around maybe even sports. Hey, let's, let's just get together, hang out, play a little hoop. Shoot the ball. Throw the ball. Let's, let's go hiking together. Let's sing together. Let's go swimming together. Let's make it a fellowship event. Let's spend time to encourage one another. It's not our ordinary work. It's, it's a work of piety where we've focused in. One of the key, focus, key, key principles, I think, of the Sabbath day is focusing on God and His church, His people. And there's times where there are certain things that are necessary for that. It's works of necessity. There's times where there's things that are pietistic. They're humble. We humble ourselves to do the works of a priest. We who are the priesthood of believers. That's what Christ was talking about here. The priests, they never stop work. There's things we do. We do it now and we, we always have. Um, give you some just clear examples. Psalm 42, verse 4. Let's look at these real quick. Psalm 42, verse 4. It says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Well, that was the Lord's Day. That was, and, and the psalmist is saying, Man, this is exciting to go to church. And there's thousands that are going to church. And that's not easy to go to church and to, to work yourself up to these shouts and these songs of praise uh, and to a festival. Somebody's got to prepare for that. And they work hard to prepare for that and to be ready for that. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you really stop to think about these things that I think you're real familiar with. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Four things the church did every time, really, that they met. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Stop and think about the work involved in that. These are works of piety. Humbling themselves before one another to teach, to listen, to fellowship, to break bread, to pray, all of those things involve that pietistic work that the priests were constantly involved in. And then one other is Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, and I won't turn there, you know it. Uh, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as is the habit of some, but let us get together and encourage one another. And all the more, it's, there are tough times ahead. We need to be working on encouraging one another. Those are pietistic works that need to be happening. Um, God doesn't care about your rules. God cares about our work, though, that we, we do work at loving and caring for one another. John 5, verse 17, good place to bring up this verse because I quoted it earlier, but I want you to have it. John 5, verse 17 says, Jesus answered, well, you know, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Verse 17, 
But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I'm working. And Jesus was sinless. And God the Father was sinless. And they were both working and have been working since Genesis 1 on the Sabbath. So there is work to do on the Sabbath. It's the work of a priest. It's the work of the church. And there's a lot involved in that. And I don't want you creating lists that keep you from those wonderful pietistic works. And it keep, it's keeping you from being like Jesus. It's keeping you from being like God the Father. So as you think through all that's involved in your fellowship and your prayer and your service, you need to be focused on one another and don't miss verse 7. And you are guiltless. You're not to be condemned. Again, this broad interpretation of love and grace on the Sabbath day. It's not a day where we create rules to condemn one another. And you don't find any place in the Bible where God is asking us to be Sabbath day police. So we can see who's doing what and condemn people for what they are doing. Third category. So we've got works of necessity. We've got works of piety. And we've got works of mercy. At the end of Matthew 12. Let me read it to the end. Verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Good to bring that up. Jesus does that many times. Sabbath is not for us. It is, is, is not about rules and regulation. He's the Lord. He's in charge. The Sabbath is His jam. He gets it. He knows how to do it right. He knows many people have persecuted Him. But He says, I'm in charge here. The Pharisees obviously in this passage have an air that they're in charge. They're the police of the Sabbath. Jesus says, no, you're not. Let's go ahead and deal with this. And so verse 8 is, is setting us up for something. Look at verse 9. So he went on from there and he entered the synagogue. Jesus is ready for a showdown on the Sabbath teaching. He didn't have to get up and go into church, into their church, into the synagogue. He does this intentionally. And he does it right after saying, I'm in charge. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He went into the synagogue, verse 10, and a man was there with a withered hand, and he asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful. It's not unlawful. It is lawful to do good. It's a work of mercy in that category, new category, the works of goodness and mercy. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy, just like the other. But the Pharisees went out and considered, conspired against him how to destroy him. See, the Pharisees, they said, uh-oh, he done messed up again. He's messed up. Broke the Sabbath. Jesus says, I'm not breaking the Sabbath. This is lawful to do works of mercy. Things that are good. You would heal your animal if he was in a pit. You would lift him out. Certainly, you could see the need to heal someone else who's hurting. So you could be hungry. You could be hurting. Could this man who had a withered arm wait till Monday? Sure. He could have probably survived till Monday. But again, the Sabbath was made for such works. 
And Jesus says, I'm in charge of it. I designed it for this very thing. You're missing the Sabbath if you do no works. You should be doing, just like my father and I are doing, you should be doing works of necessity. You should be doing works of piety. And you should be doing works of mercy. It was designed for that. It's not all about laying on the couch and just sleeping. It's lawful and it's good. It's works of mercy. Um, God never intended for the Sabbath day to be a day of suffering. It's a day of blessing. If you're hungry, you're going to be suffering if you don't get fed. If you're hurting, you're going to be suffering if you don't get healed. If you don't see the church gathering together and worship and praising God, you don't get what God's doing in this world. You need the Sabbath day and you need the church working on that day in deeds of piety. So we've got these three categories of work. And here again is the principle. You don't need lists. Evaluate any particular Sabbath, wherever you are, what you're doing. If I'm doing works of mercy, if I'm doing works of piety, if I'm doing works of necessity, then it's appropriate. It's what Jesus is doing. I'm loving Jesus and I'm loving his church. Christ is my focus. I'm keeping the Sabbath day special. I'm surrendered and submitting to the Lord of the Sabbath. My works are like Christ's works. Now, let me give you a popular example. You remember the story probably of Eric Little. He was made popular with the movie Chariots of Fire many years ago. But he was the, one of the Olympic uh, winners in the 1924. So this is old. He, he went on to be a missionary in China. But he was the fastest person the world had ever seen. He was, he, nobody had ever beaten him in a 100-yard dash. Or a 100-meter, I don't know. I guess he was Britain, so they're using the metric system there. So 100-meter dash. Nobody had ever beaten him. Nobody had come within a half a second of him in the 100-meter dash. Every time he ran it, he won it. His entire life, kind of thing. 100 meters, Eric Little's your winner. So they put him up in the Olympics. Now they don't schedule each race until you're, you're there. And they scheduled him for a Sunday race, the 100 meter dash. So he's a shoe in, go medalist. He says, No, you, you got it where you got it. I'm going to church. I'm not going to do that. And so he doesn't run. And he, everybody's like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Run the race. You could have argued many ways. It's a, even a work of necessity. This is helping your nation, your team. It's necessary for you to be a part of this. Uh, he could have run. I don't think it would have been a, something that were fancy. But see, his focus was God. And his focus was church. I'm... Even if you're free to do it, doesn't mean you have to do it. But he says, I'm not going to run on the Sabbath. So he didn't run that race. Next day, Monday, they had a 400-meter race. He ran that one. He won the bronze medal. Wednesday, I think they had a 200-meter race. He ran that one, won the gold medal. 
And the reporter, after he won the gold that day, said, don't you regret now not running on Sunday? You would have taken home two golds and a bronze if you'd have just run. And his answer was, I run for something more precious than gold. My heart's on Jesus. His day is a day with Him. I run for something more precious than gold. That's the focus of our day, the Lord's day. When there's works of necessity, I will do them. Works of mercy, I will do them. Works of piety, I will do them. But my focus is God. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And it's not about rules. And it's not about regulations. And it's not about condemning people. It's about loving people. And it's about loving our God. That's how we make the Lord's work appropriate. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Christ coming and showing us time and time and time and time and time and time again appropriate Sunday work. For, forgive us, Lord, of getting so focused on people and men and women and rules and regulations and getting our focus off Jesus. Let us come back and see him and his work. And let us be more and more like Jesus. Forgive us of our sins. And let us thrive on the Lord's day as those who are guiltless and not condemned. Father, we thank you for time with you each Sabbath day. Forgive us for not using it appropriately. We ask that you would draw us to yourself. Keep us from running away. We need you, O oh Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.